This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi williams and you're listening to the If You Build It, They Will Listen podcast, The Sportacast. You see, I knew you had something cooking because you could not keep the wry smile off your face. Like you're like, I'm going to show him. I'm going to. I got something coming here. Sometimes I have to think about it on the fly. This one, I knew. I knew exactly where we were going, uh, and this one was an easy one. Uh, yeah, it was a pretty easy one. Did you watch? the Fox broadcast of the men playing baseball in the cornfields of Iowa? I did watch uh, probably more of that game than maybe any regular season baseball game I've watched in the past five years. And and the numbers kind of bear out that I'm not the only one. Uh, but I did watch it, Scott. I thought it looked great. I mean, I think it, it, it felt the same way that I felt watching the Lake Tahoe NHL um, outdoor classic whenever that was last year or two years ago, that it was just a beautiful scenery, a genuinely cool place, I'm sure, to play a game and a cool game to watch a game being played. Drones, that's the key, right? That's the new production value. You can't do it over some stadiums and an arena, but but over the cornfields of Iowa, perfect, use drones. And I'll, I'll give a little shout out to my buddy, Andrew Figverisi over at Fox Sports. He said they had some really cool stuff. You should tune in. You'll like it. Knowing that I am not the guy to wax poetic about this stuff. But he said, I'm telling you, I, I think you're going to like it. We have some cool stuff. Uh, and uh, I think he was right. And what was, what was it? Six million people tuned in. A uh, lot of folks watching baseball, um, talking about baseball, water cooler stuff. So it, it certainly accomplished the mission for not only Fox, but certainly for Major League Baseball, because it, it was the number one topic of conversation. And not just for for an audience, Scott. The the tickets there were only eight thousand, I believe, fans in attendance. But some of the tickets were selling as high as nine thousand dollars, maybe even more. Uh, it was one of the hottest tickets of, of, of you see in baseball, even including the World Series. I would say this checked kind of all the boxes. The game was great, which also helps, right? Anytime you get a late comeback and then another late comeback after that, I think yeah, obviously, I, I was going to say you can well. you can script the entrance, you can script. The presentation, you cannot script if you get a 12 nothing in the third inning game where people are like, I don't care that it's being played in the in the cornfields. I don't want to watch this. I'm going on to like a, a repeat of Law and Order or something. So to have the Yankees come back and take the lead, the stars were stars. You had Aaron Judge hit a home run and then a walk off uh, absolute perfection. And to talk about the production value again, I, like a, a scene you'll see for years was 
the the guy I don't remember who it was who hit the home run, the walk off. Tim Anderson. Tim, yeah. Tim, yeah. So he's sort of jumping around, and the fireworks are behind him over the the center field fence. Really visually stunning. Um, so again, I do not wax poetic, but just from a presentation standpoint and from a wow, that was really cool standpoint, kudos to Fox, kudos to Major League Baseball. But now you look forward, Eben, do you want to see it again? I mean, Winter Classic is cool because you get different locales, different looks. Like, do I want to see two teams play in that cornfield again? I will give you my answer. No, I do not. <laughs> but... But I understand why they might, why they would, why they think that would work, why sponsors would jump on it. Me as viewer, been there, done that. So my kind of along that question, I, I think we, we very well may see, see teams there again. It certainly loses its luster the, the more you play in the cornfield without question. I'm curious and, and if there is a way to lay out all the economics, if you think this is a moneymaker for Major League Baseball. I think the, the field itself and the construction, according to, to Barry Bloom, our colleague, cost about $6 million. Part of that cost was taking it down after this game was supposed to happen last year and then resetting it all up. Um, but that's not that much money. The the Obviously, the, the, the viewership is great, but that's money that goes kind of into Fox's Fox's pocket directly in, to some degree. I'm sure from a production standpoint, this was really expensive. There's there's other costs here that I'm certainly not thinking about. But when, when Major League Baseball kind of, when the dust settles on this game and it all settles out, did they make money on this? Did they lose money but get a ton of positive publicity? Um, because my question is, why don't we see just a little bit more of this in, in all sports? You know, we, we've seen this game. I mentioned the Tahoe game. The outdoor classics are always a good example. Major League Baseball, the Yankees and the, and the, and the Red Sox played in, in London a couple of years ago. That did pretty good numbers. The college basketball games on the aircraft carrier. I mean, there's a thin line between gimmick and really cool place to have a sporting event that you haven't seen before. But it does seem like at least at this point, there's more room in the market. As long as these things aren't massive money sucks that there's more room in the market to do more fun, cool things like this. And I think you and I could probably rattle off five or six good ideas kind of off the top of our head. There, there's a lot of possibilities if sports leagues want to be a little bit more outside the box in terms of where games happen. You give me so much credit, but as you know, I'm having some cord issues here with my microphone, so I have to stay very still <laughs> while recording this. I'm not sure I could rattle off a good idea of anything right now <laughs> as I remain perfectly still. So why don't you give me one of your one or two top ideas that you think you could rattle off? Wow. You, you put me on the spot after my own idea. Look, I think, <laughs> I think there's, there's hockey has a lot of potential in outdoor places with Central Park. Right. Central Park is, yeah, sure. There's, there's Islanders, Rangers, there. Central Park. You put up like, the, you know, whatever, two, three thousand worth of bleachers and that's it. The NBA could play in, in Rucker Park, for example, right? Again, a, a, a scene that's not going to have not even going to have 8,000 fans probably, although you might be able to build something kind of temporarily around there that seats a good moment. But the the number of people watching that game on TV and then the amount of tickets price you could charge for tickets in that scenario, if it was a, if it was a Nets Knicks game in Rucker Park, I think would be pretty astronomical. So again, I, had I think a, this is an idea that, that does stretch to a number of different ways. I had a blast years ago accompanying David Stern to Rucker Park, just watching David interact with the crowd do I remember, and I know we went up there because, I mean, whether it was Bill Clinton or Kobe Bryant, I, 
I really don't remember this. And this is very telling for me that I was like so, so focused on David interacting with the crowd and David being David that I really don't remember which NBA player or players were there for that particular visit. I really don't. But I do remember it was a great atmosphere. And if, boy, if you sort of like watch people watching, a crowd watching NBA stars on a city court from outside the chain link fence, that would be a great, great ambiance. Not sure you'd get it done from a security standpoint somehow. <laughs> but, you know, as long as we're pie in the sky, wouldn't this be cool if we ran our own sports network? Um, yeah, that I think, you, all right, you gave one idea. That's good. I'll give you great. the one. There we How go. about, we'll remember, what, we'll we, have we seen the picture of like Nadal versus Federer on the, on the helipad, like in Dubai or something? Have seen that photo, yeah. So that's that's a good one too. Also, like, let, very let them cool. play in a helipad. You're right, because dr- drones kind of make some of the filming challenges, I think, a little bit easier as well. I mean, and if if, if yeah, there, I think again, I think there's a lot of possibilities here. Basketball seems to lend itself the best, just because the the playing surface feels like it is the least kind of specific in some ways in terms of setup. But I think I think every league could, and and I would argue should be looking at this field of dreams game and thinking, okay, like what, what are the locations and what are the, the scenes relative to our sport that can make for a really good fun one-off game like this? All right. Well, I'm curious what that would be for the NFL, but they did kick off in preseason and you'll laugh at this. A buddy of mine asked, can I help him get tickets for the Chicago bears preseason game? And I said, well, I mean, I, I can make a couple calls for you. I'm like, I, I can't. I'm like, it's preseason. Nobody ever wants these tickets. It's like, no problem, right? Yeah. So I had to call him back and tell him that because there had not been home football in Chicago in so long because of COVID and because of their, I guess, what they, their quarterback draft pick, it was a hot ticket preseason football. That's Remember amazing. every time we every time we talk about adding games, like I ah, just get rid of the preseason. Nobody cares. The Bears get. I will speak only to this because somebody happened to call and be like, "Hey, any chance you could help me out with a couple of tickets? I want to take my son." It was a hot ticket for preseason football in Chicago. I have no idea who they played. Doesn't matter. Just people in Chicago wanted their football. Um, and if they wanted to bet on this stuff, they have some increased offerings this week, right? They do. Yeah. The NFL, for people who who follow these things closely, back in April, the NFL announced three sports betting partners, DraftKings, FanDuel, and Caesars, what they call the tri-exclusive at the top of the NFL sports betting pyramid. Uh, But the NFL has been busy in the past few weeks and months, signing up a few more partners at, at a lower tier. Scott, we broke this news last week. Fox bet, points bet, WinBet and BetMGM, and there may actually be the others as well coming later. But those are the 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 other sports books that are bringing in coming into the NFL ecosystem. Um, and in all the ways, Scott, whether you're counting media preseason ticket sales, if it's interest fantasy, the NFL is the dominant entertainment sports brand in the U.S. And in sports betting, it's no different. It's the most wagered league by a pretty long shot. If you ask any sports book operator, what's your most important, your holiday season, your holiday season is, is the NFL and college football season. Um, and the way the NFL has set up its approach to sports gambling, it's savvy, um, but they're getting kind of different bites of the apple at different times. And it's one of the reasons why 
the NFL is going to see multiple billion dollars added to its to its annual revenue total just because sports betting is getting legalized in, in states across the country. Yeah, tortoise versus hare. For years, the NFL wanted nothing to do with it. They wouldn't let players appear at sort of even like a fantasy sports Tony Romo, convention yeah. that was next to the casinos, right? And here they are, but taking the measured pace knowing that they are the 900-pound gorilla in the room. Everybody wants a piece. They can extract terms probably that maybe some of the other leagues can't. And as you said, we got to get Kurt Bottenhausen on this. He's he's working on his NFL valuations. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a graph or two on sports betting and what it means for the bottom line. Um, but we're only getting started here. Like this. Yeah, for sure. And 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 one of the ways this is going to manifest itself for for anyone who's listening to us that li- that watches NFL games, part of this new class of of, of sports betting partners, the, the four that I just mentioned, or the five that I just mentioned, part of the things they're getting by partnering with the league is the ability to advertise during NFL games, which is something that has not been allowed in the past. So for the first time, there will be sports books advertising during gameplay, uh, which again, w- was not allowed as of last year, or even not allowed, you know, as of a couple weeks ago uh, in the NFL. So for people who remember the the fantasy, the fantasy DraftKings versus FanDuel ads every 30 seconds at sporting events, I'm not sure we're going to get to that point, at least not yet. There's going to be some limits on how many uh, sportsbook ads there can be in each quarter or each half, but we are going to start to see kind of across the board the 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 broadcast changes that are that are accompanying uh, th- this kind of massive push into sports betting. Uh, we had Jason Robbins on as our last guest in the previous pod. Help me out with this one. And now that I'm here, I'm like, oh, I should have asked Jason this. If I'm just sort of you know Joe Q customer out there and I want to bet a game. Where is my loyalty? Do I have brand loyalty? Am I brand agnostic? I mean, if I'm betting a game, obviously, let's say I'm a diehard, let's just say FanDuel guy, okay? But I want to bet a game where I get a better half point spread at DraftKings. You go to DraftKings, even if it's not, you know, your your brand. What is it? What are they hoping to achieve? You just rattled off five and there's already three, the, the, the top tier partners. And man, What's the difference? Help me with this because you're, you're better versed in this world than I am. Yeah, I think I think you I think you you overthink things a, a little bit. Most and, and, my, and my wife joins the program. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think most Americans don't don't price shop in the way that they sports. I mean, certainly there's there's a segment of people who maybe have money in four or five different apps, and if they want to bet the Jets to, to to win on Monday night, they'll look at all five of them and 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 bet it in the account that that, that gives them kind of the, the, the so you're telling you're telling me odds. most people have one account with their money sitting in it. They don't look around for the best odds or anything. They just like they go to that. I, I think that most platform. people are not price shopping on odds all that much. I think the people want one, they care a lot about promos, which you see various books have different approaches to some go crazy overboard with, you know, we'll match your first bet up to a thousand dollars. And, you know, every couple days we'll, we'll odds boost 50% this game if you want to bet it, et cetera. And then some are a little stingier with that. Some are kind of resting on their, not resting on their laurels, but, but believe in the strength of their brand and what it means and others that aren't maybe they're, you know, foreign books that aren't that popular in the US have to do more marketing just to get their name out there. Yeah. So a company like BetMGM, for example, you know, 50% owned by, by MGM. MGM is a name that I think a lot of Americans understand as kind of synonymous with gambling. If you think about points bet, 
you know, they're an Australian company, pretty new to the U.S. Not a lot of Americans think of PointsBet as, oh, that's a that's a, a trusted, you know, been around the yeah. U.S. for a long time sports be- sports betting brand. So I think those two companies have maybe a different goal with their advertising. One is kind of name recognition. One is more kind of trying to reach new people. Um, but yeah, I think in in, in general terms, like they, the, these companies just want to be seen. And I think more and more, the more ads you see, if, if, if you can do it next to the logo of your fa- favorite team, that's kind of vetting by by logo in some ways that I think is valuable for some sports fans. All right, everybody in the office knows you are my sports betting consigliere. Do you remember <laughs> that the one time where you know they offer you it's like a free money? Will Tom Brady complete one pass today? If so, you yeah. win two hundred, right? Exactly. So the key was that I didn't even know at the time. I'm like, all right, let me sign up and try this just to have some fun. So all right, they deposit that two hundred, but it's not in your account until you wager it again which I learned at the time. Again, this is not my thing. So do, do you remember that I asked you? Do you remember what you told me to bet? <laughs> I remember it was like, oh, it was a, a, a West... What, it was, it was Wyoming, Wyoming basketball. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I said, Eben, I need a must win because that's the only way I keep this money. You said, uh, without even hesitating, you were like, Wyoming basketball tonight. I said, yeah. that scares that's, the that's living my, bejeez out of me. service. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But hey, I won. I won. They were giving like 18 or something. I was like, all right, whatever. He must know something. And they won by like 30. I was laughing. I called you right away. I was like, hey, all right. I downloaded the money. Maybe I'll take the dinner. I don't think I did. That's uh, a good example of kind of the, the the fine print on these promos, right? Because a, a lot of places will offer you risk-free first bet up to $1,000. But if you lose that bet, the $1,000 they're giving back to you is is site credit, essentially, that you can't withdraw. So it's not exactly risk-free. It's, it's that's again, as you're saying, that's money that if they put it back into your account, you're going to have to wager on something else just to be able to withdraw it. Yeah. Um, All right. So but, you and I yes, are good. Sports. Promos are a big area there. You and I are, are good sports betting pair. You know what else? Good pair. I love the headline here. We, we have Steve Cohen, New York Mets owner, 0.72 asset management and management and uh, Vince McMahon. <laughs> you know, the WWE and golden auctions. Of course, Steve was part of the group that, uh, that bought golden not long ago, hooking up the first ever experiential auction uh, a lot of stuff towards WrestleMania. You can hang with Triple H, uh, something with The Undertaker. But just the fact that the Golden Auctions now getting into experiential, hooking up with the WWE, and there are there are things you know flat out items you can you can also uh, put put wagers on on or uh, at least put a bid in. Um, but I just like the, t- the the fact that I have Steve Cohen's company now getting in with the WWE. What's a hotter market right now, Scott? Sports betting or sports collectibles and memorabilia? Oof, maybe if you bet on what, like, would Honus <laughs> Wagner break a record, like, you know, paging Darren Ravel. Uh, you saw the, the Honus Wagner card went for like six I point did. something million. Yeah, 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 yeah. A new, a new record. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, with, with NFTs, with, with crypto, um, I, I don't think that's going away. And we had a story, uh, the McKinsey folks did a study on NFTs. Um, we published that. We should probably put that out on the Sportacast uh, Twitter site. Cora Veltman, if you're listening, put that out on the, on the, on the Twitter site. Um, so I, I don't think it's going anywhere, but boy, betting, I, I wouldn't bet against betting if, if, if I can say it that way. Yeah. And going back to your point on NFTs, I, I know I'm going to sound like a broken record here because I, I say often that I think NFTs have kind of become a, a Trojan horse of some ways to kind of offer your fans new and innovative things that you, you, you weren't you could have given them anyway. before. You could have. Yeah. I think this WWE golden auctions thing is, is kind of a good example of that where, where to a degree, a lot of these things are not NFT related, but this is the kind of stuff that 
teams are now kind of auctioning off via NFTs and, 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 and WE is just doing it through golden auctions. But the idea of kind of creating once in a lifetime VIP packages, ability to meet, to, to greet, to get signed. They're also dipping into their archives, which I think is really cool. They've got stuff from, from famous events from 15, 20 years ago that will be part of, part of this auction. Um, I think that's all, all really smart. And WWE is, is kind of constantly pushing the envelope here, Scott. We wrote a little a little while ago about they're looking for kind of new ring announcers on TikTok that are going to participate in SummerSlam. I believe they're also potentially sourcing new wrestlers uh, on TikTok as well. I think they've done a really good job recently of kind of finding the, the the new ways where people are congregating and thinking about ways to kind of engage fans on those platforms. And TikTok and and collectibles auctions are are two kind of really good good examples of that. All right. Speaking of new and good examples of things, uh, NIL, we've been talking about it for, for some time now, name, image, and likeness. Everybody knows that college athletes can now accept money for all of those things. You've heard uh, about some of the stars signing big deals, uh, You've particularly on the female side, which people did not think would happen, but you, you've heard about all those deals. But how about the non-stars? How about the walk-ons? Uh, BYU has a deal that took care of all that. Yeah, there's there's been uh, just to back up for a second for for a couple of years now. There's been this trend of when walk-ons on football teams get scholarships. Usually, there'll be like a, a video production team, and they'll find some kind of creative way to let the let the kid know that he's about to get a scholarship. And I love those videos. I've seen dozens of them. I think in the past three years, better always, than the kid. I like it when mom and dad me. are watching because they're not paying anymore. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah exactly. give me mom, the mom yeah. and dad video is a whole lot better than the kid. And this became uh, you teased it. This became kind of the the biggest version of that that we've ever seen. It's it's a company called Built Built Brands. I believe it's a it's a protein bar company based in Salt Lake City. They are essentially through NIL deals giving all thirty six BYU walk on football players the equivalent of scholarship money. Um, and they don't, they don't have to put it towards their scholarship, but that's just kind of how this is kind of being framed as part of a larger deal with the entire BYU football team. I think every player on the roster is getting a deal of some sort, but this is, I think this is a big deal because of what it might mean. I, I don't think this is a, a pattern that can be replicated all the way across all of college football, but there's an 85, very strict 85 scholarship limit for football teams. And you know, because walk on walk ons are a thing because there's a lot more talent in a lot of places than there are available. You sound like you sound like Ara Parsegian in Rudy. <laughs> the N, the NCAA hamstrings us with this seventy five or eighty five rule, whatever it is. Well, they, so now the question is: Is this just going to become the is the eighty five scholarship limit gone because? colleges and, and schools are always going to have local companies that want to help walk-ons like this. I don't, I don't think that's true necessarily, but I do think we're going to see more and more of this, the way that NIL deals can be used kind of as a recruiting advantage. One thing I did learn, which is fascinating in this, I'll put you on the spot here. What do you think BYU tuition is? In state or out of state? Thank you. Bought myself um, more time. I, I do not think they differentiate. They differentiate oh, they uh, between member of the church and non-member of the church, but I don't think there's insurance. Oh, uh, BYU, I don't know, um, 15, 20 grand? Yeah, so it's way less than that. It is, oh. uh, it's about six grand for oh. two semesters if you're a member of the church. I think it's a little more if you're not a member of the church. Um, but one thing that is, I mean, that's relevant here because this deal is cheaper to do at BYU if you're buying yes. 36 kids uh, buying their scholarship money than it would be to do at a school like Alabama or a school like Clemson. Um, or a football again, powerhouse like Syracuse. 
Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Even more expensive. <laughs> um, but I do think we're going to see to a degree, we're going to see more of this where kind of the NIL deals that get signed are also things that create just kind of a nice advantage recruiting wise for programs. All right. Let's tell everybody we'll end it with this, what you and I did over the weekend and how we definitely differ. <laughs> I, in my athletic oh endeavor, I decided to go on the ice with my 12 year old for a little stick and puck action. You know, I, I played in my day. Um, so he went to one side where a whole bunch of kids were playing and was taking shots and everything. Then there was the other side where sort of your high school kids were shooting on their, their pal. And so I was like, all right, I really came on the ice to be with my son, but he's busy. So I threw a net in the middle and was just like launching slap shots, wrist shots. Oh, my lower back, dude. I, I'm like, I did not. I wasn't planning on not like really unleashing, but I'm like, okay. So I'm really ripping it. And that night I, I'm like, oh man, like I'm, so I'm luckily, I don't think it's big damage, but I do get up and sit down and bend over gingerly now because I just don't want to aggravate. Was so, this your first time on the ice since your shoulder injury? No, no, I've been on, okay, I've been on been since on the since. surgery. Okay, no, no, gotcha, no. Yeah. So gotcha. it's, no, nothing shoulder related. Just, I wasn't planning on ripping like I was. And I just started to shoot hard because it was just me. Like, what else am I going to do? Right. The kid abandoned me. I'm Love not it. with the high school kids. So, right. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, you too are in pain, but uh, more than just a little skating around on the ice. I also have lower back pain. Yeah, I uh, I had signed up for a, an ultra marathon, a hundred and three mile race in uh, in central Pennsylvania this weekend, which did not go as planned, as you know, Scott. I failed to finish. I got to around mile eighty eight. I was not going to make the the cutoff time at mile ninety three. What an That was the end. Um, but yeah, I've got my hands are cut up. I have blisters on my palms. My backs and legs hurt. I have beast stings all over my body. I have blisters on my feet. It's a, uh, it's, it's not, it's not a pretty picture over here in Washington Heights right now. <laughs> no bueno. Anyway, <laughs> the, the two beaten up boys, he is Eben Novi Williams on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. I mentioned Cora Veltman earlier, so go check out the site at Sportacast on Twitter for what is the hub of what will become the Sportico Podcast Network. <laughs>